Who's going to be in the thought seat this week? Get ready for your weekly dose of fresh inspiration where we talk to successful entrepreneurs and learn strategies for growing profitable online businesses. This is the Thought Seat Podcast with Ashley Coombe, Ashley Rader, and Scott Jangro. Show notes and this week's free bonuses can be downloaded from www.thoughtseat.com. Welcome to the Thought Seat, guys. We have just a couple people in here. We'll um, continually recap as people head in. I am Ashley B. Coombe. I'm one of the hosts. Over to, I want to say to my left, but I think when it shows the recording, it'll be to my right, is um, right. Scott Jangro. He's the owner and founder of Sharest, a content marketing platform. Um, and then up in the upper corner is Ashley Rader. She is the thought seat today. So we changed things a little bit. Instead of subscribing to our personal channels, we put together a thought seat channel. So if you want to continue to subscribe to our um, Thursday thought seats, then you can just subscribe to that channel. So you can go ahead and click right above Ashley's head right there. Um, right up here. <laughs> where it says the thought seat and you can subscribe there or we'll, we'll tell you, we'll provide some links at the end if you want to subscribe differently. So today we have Justin Rondo. Is that his sailor's name? Justin yeah, Rondo? That's right. That's right. Okay. Um, I met Justin several years ago at a conference and um, my experience with him before I knew who he was at all was um, spending five hours walking around downtown New York City I guess all of New York City is downtown, but um, trying to find costumes for a 70s party. So we got to know each other pretty well that day. And um, we know all about each other's 70s fashion taste. <laughs> and um, after getting to know him, I realized that uh, I was talking to somebody who is not only a lot of fun and really funny and a little crazy, but um, an expert on conversions. So I'm gonna ask Justin just to give us maybe a one minute description of uh, what he does and what qualifies him to be the expert on this. Okay, yeah, uh, so I got my start kind of doing this whole conversion rate optimization and split testing stuff uh, when I was back at Witch Test One, which gave me a really unique perspective. Um, one as a journalist, uh, two as a practitioner, and then three as a trainer. Um, for you know, both B2B and B2C companies. I've got to work with many, many different organizations to help them grow their optimization teams. But I think what was interesting was that I was able to get a bird's eye view of optimization strategies from virtually every industry. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen over 3,000 split tests and their strategies behind them. I've run hundreds myself across uh, different, uh, different organizations. And that's currently kind of what I specialize in right now. So at Digital Marketer, I spend a lot of my time uh, digging through all of our funnels, trying to find opportunity areas within our analytic, within Google Analytics, and then using other qualitative platforms to to really hone in on you know what can make a difference uh, to our bottom line. So none of that kind of top top uh, top metric stuff that are just kind of vanity clicks or anything like mm -hmm. that. Like really, what's going to make the difference? And I think that's what differentiates the the new the new experts in this field versus the people who have been doing it for for quite a while. There. They're focused on vanity metrics and those types of things mm -hmm. where it really is just about the business. And um, I still stuck to my training roots a little bit. I did launch a certification at a, a digital marketer all about the stuff that I do in-house oh. there where I systematized my process and um, kind of just shared that with people as well. So it's, it's been oh, a lot of fun. Yeah, it's been a lot of You'll fun. You'll have um, to kind of... put a link to that that we can take a oh, look yeah. at. Oh. Um... oh. Did I vanish? 
Oh, she's oh, Ashley. She has a, um, is she the one with all the questions? Yeah. I, you know, it just said that I was removed as a co-host. So I was clicking that and I accidentally clicked. Sorry. I, maybe I did that. I was trying to make sure you were set up as a host in case okay. I got kicked off. But Okay. Um, so I had the opportunity to see Justin speak at Marketing Profs a few weeks ago. It wasn't a few weeks ago. A couple months ago. A month and a half ago. month and a half ago. I and, guess it could um, be a few weeks. Technically, if you were yeah. how we want many to break weeks it down. ago, many um, weeks. but I thought it was really interesting because there's so many principles that I just think of as um, generic conversion principles, like um, the color of the buttons or having one call to action or having the one that sticks out in my mind is having um, as small of form as possible. And you went through a talk that dispelled some myths about conversions. And it was really interesting to me because you... Um, had a lot of things that were different than most people that that speak on conversion principles. You were saying, as opposed to just following these basic conversions, figure out what your conversion principles are. So if, you know, don't, don't just necessarily say a smaller form is always the better thing. I think you said, guys, we got to stop that lazy thinking. Yeah. Um, but you were saying, figure out what your company needs and find the smallest form that still fills those needs. So I thought that was really interesting. So I just wanted you to go over um, maybe some of the things that are you feel are most important in um, in conversion optimization and then some of those myths that we just kind of all generally accept that mm -hmm. you would dispel. Yeah, totally. So I think um, when it comes to like landing pages and kind of acquisitions and, and all type and kind of like lead generation, uh, when you're thinking about optimization, I think one of the first things you brought up was obviously the form. There's really four major factors that I look at when I'm evaluating a landing page. One being, you know, the um, the visual hierarchy of the page and the layout. Like, does it make sense? Is there a logical flow? Are there things that are breaking the the standard eye flow? And you can use tools like uh, Hotjar, Crazy Egg. If you're using Visual Website Optimizer, they just launched um, some heat mapping and uh, re uh, recording tools as well, which will help you actually be able to um, to see if your layout is actually a logical layout, if it makes sense, and if you have a strong visual hierarchy. And that comes into like I think different uh, discussions when people talk about button coloration and those types of things. Where where yes, button color does matter, but it's not a, does this color work better? It's a, does this color stand out? Does your call to action mm -hmm. stand out? So there, it's people just being lazy and asking the wrong question. And that's kind of the important thing that I think a lot of people need to, um, need to begin to understand is that most of the time optimizers or, or even or maybe your, your clients or your boss even, they're asking the wrong questions of you. Like, uh, and so that's, that's kind of, I think, the first kind of one of those myths that are out there. Um, so... One of the things I want to start with, I'm sorry, I'm going to come back to that question because I want to re, I want to keep going through those myths. But um, when we're talking about multiplying our optim in rate and conversion rate, um, what are if you were saying to if someone was saying I get a lot of traffic to my site, I'm not getting any conversions. What are just those top tier recommendations that you would give um, mm -hmm. right away when you look at someone's site? One, does your opt-in form work? <laughs> that's a good. That's a good first one. thing. You, you always start functional, always functional <laughs> um, because so people are like, oh, yeah, it might not look right, but oh, uh, maybe it's not actually, maybe your, your form isn't talking to your, uh, your uh, CRM. We actually had a problem with that. We, um, we, were, we were running some tests and some campaigns where we, we were looking, we're looking we're like, oh, we're, this, this didn't work out so well. We're not seeing a lot of leads generated in Infusion. And what happened was uh, our integration between Instapage and Infusionsoft broke. 
So wow. what looked like a terrible situation for us, like, oh man, we really screwed the pooch on this one. It was really just a, a functional issue where we didn't have to do any sort of split tests or optimization. It was just, just fix the darn thing. So, um, so that's, the, get, that's the first thing I'd do. Get real basic. What, what's yeah, the best basic option for yeah. Uh, what's so the I'm, best option? Yeah. So do you, um, I talk to clients all the time that are in different um, verticals. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> and they'll always say, I hate pop-ups. Um, I hate yeah. a pop-up asking for my email address. Is that important or, or what, tell me what kind of opt-in form you would recommend? Um, I have both uh, inline and pop-up and mm -hmm. then with pop-ups highly segmented. Um, so not just like they hit the page, they get this piece of information, uh, that's lazy and will make people angry and that, that, and rightfully so, mm -hmm. um, it is, uh, pop-ups are by their very nature disruptive. Mm -hmm. And the thing about thing, the thing about disruption is it gets attention, right? So if you're getting the right kind of attention, which is if you segment your pop-up to show when it should, then you don't have an angry customer. You're getting the right kind of attention. Whereas if you're just disrupting for attention's sake, that's when you start to run into problems. So, I mean, an inline form, you should always have some kind of inline form on your site, mm -hmm. um, especially if it's a land, uh, it, I guess pop-ups on landing pages. So I'm talking about site as a whole. If you're looking at a landing right. page, you don't want to be running traffic to a landing page and then hit them with, with a pop. That's a, right. um, that's a mistake. Um, the goal of that landing page is very, is very much front and center. They, you have your, your, your click-through or your opt-in. That's there. You don't want to start mixing the messages. I think um, when I was training with um, with SAS and I was helping them kind of with their optimization team, they had a they had a lot of paid landing pages that actually had pop ups with different offers, <laughs> uh, or or like or do you want to contact support where they haven't even been really indoctrinated to the the, the bit of information that's there. So, so those, those um, calls to action should be clear on the landing page without ever having to have a pop-up yeah you don't need that on i think on paid landing pages on site stuff like we yeah. use we use highly segmented pops where if they're if they're going through blog content content and they're they, they've been on the page for at least 15 seconds and have scrolled at least 25 percent down mm -hmm. um then they get a particular offer based off the url so if so they're on a, yeah up for yeah. Newsletter. yeah exactly so it's a Oh, um, do you want these 72 Facebook ad templates? Like you're and on a thing you, talking about Facebook and they get hit with that and they can type in their information right there. So when you say that it's highly segmented, you have different offers based on what article they've landed on? Uh, yeah, well, based on, uh, based on the different kind of broad topic. So we'll have a particular offer set for blogging, for Facebook, um, for just generally social related things. So I, I generally, we have a question. Are you having recommended user experience with promotions as they scroll? Um, I think it, 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 this actually worked better for us than doing exit pops. So if people are familiar with exit pops and exit intent pops, so mm -hmm. exit intent pops go off of um, kind of mouse movement. And if they're going towards the exits to pop something right up and say, hey, don't go away, like, take, take a look at this. And we had a lot of success with those. We initially started our kind of like our pop fund um, by doing exit pops through a tool called Optima. And we used them for quite a while. Um, and it, I think in 14 days, we saw around 2,872 new leads, which was pretty nice. And um, what kind of offer did you put in that exit pop? Those were, those were all the same type of segmented okay. pops based on 
URL. So, so it was before still before you like, leave, download the seventy-two. Yeah, yeah, Facebook. yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and then what we tried, I read a really compelling article that um, a, a friend of mine, Graham English, sent over to me about kind of the the problems with exit pops and really the efficacy of them. And so I was like, all right, um, how about it? Actually, said try doing some scroll work and scroll work. I'm, I, I thought would be a problem, as I think uh, David is saying here, is that people are invested in what they're reading. They're kind of, they're interested. Why break them up from it? Um, whereas I've seen actually a higher conversion rate, and our time on site hasn't dropped. See, I think this is that's a really good example of when what you think would happen is not necessarily like what, what seems logical does not necessarily mean that that's what's going to work. So it seems mm -hmm. like, oh, we probably shouldn't interrupt them. But you've seen based on testing that it has worked better for you. That doesn't mean it's going to work for every industry, but it's worked for you. Yeah. Um, so on on just the um, homepage, if people are coming just to the homepage, which I think that you would probably say um, you don't always want to direct people to your homepage. You want to direct people to um, specific pages, right? You rarely want to direct people to your homepage. Your, right. Your homepage is is kind of like the what is it? Like it's a you are here. Uh, it's like if you're at a if you're at a carnival, like yep. you walked in and there's overload. Uh -huh. You want to be able. You want to your your homepage has to work of work in the same way as kind of that directory of you want them to easily get to where they need to go. So it doesn't make sense for when you're running ads or kind of posting or doing any sort of content marketing, say if you're guest blogging somewhere to just send them to like, oh, like, like Ashley is, is, is from X website and it just hits them with the homepage. That, uh -huh. that doesn't make sense. It should be a specific article you've written further about that topic that you're writing about or even a specific offer. Um, going to your homepage is a step backwards in a lot of cases. Um, they can find that homepage themselves. They're going to go to the top left of your site and they're going to click that logo of yours and they're going to go go back to get a better idea. But it's it's much easier for people to go, to go I, I think, to go backwards on things than it is for them to actually um, get deeper. For people to get deeper, it's going to be a, it's a lot more work. And as we all talk about like click attrition, where if they're on your homepage and they're three steps away from checkout, mm -hmm. that's a hell of a lot worse than it is if, they are one step away based off wow. of a blog article in there. I don't I don't think I think about that very often. I, I think I send people to home pages all the time. And it's really interesting to think about, you know, differentiating what they're coming to my site for and then sending them to a specific page for that. Yeah. I um, think actually this, this was something um, I mean, not a lot of people think of it that way. I I I don't think. This is something that's even new for me for thinking about. It was I didn't start thinking about kind of this this splintering methodology. Um, until I joined D uh, Digital Marketer and Ryan was teaching me about that. It's, it's every single thing we do and we create, and, and this is and how I look at kind of like optimizing my uh, optimizing the funnel. It's we have some type of core offering, and for us, it's our um, our monthly subscription product. But our monthly subscription product is made up of different nodes and different modules. So like it's made up of a, a specific execution plan that's a checklist. And so with those, you can start seeing how splintering out from our offering. It still is the, the execution plan itself is is an easy upsell or a relevant piece of information to get them to that core offering. And then you start thinking about that further from lead generation. You start splintering out pieces from that core offering, uh, from that from that um, from that execution plan, which we refer to as the tripwire, and uh, take out something that's very specific, very highly valuable, 
And then people are going to actually you know opt in for something because there's a high perceived value, a high actual value, and it's easy to consume. That's how you're going to increase, uh, actually increase uh, lead, gener uh, lead rates. I mean, you can do a lot of conversion CRO techniques to make sure you're following, you know, logical practices, practices that make sense for you and those types of things. But if your offer stinks, if you're just saying, mm -hmm. join my newsletter, guess what? Right. No one wakes up in the morning and says, I want more email today. Nobody right. says that. So, so make sure you, you have a compelling offer. You just used um, a lot of terminology. Can you go through um, and give an example of that? Yeah. Um, I mean, for I, I, I try doing that with our stuff. So we have a monthly subscription product. Uh -huh. All right. And so from there, then we call that our core offer. Um, mm -hmm. we don't go, we don't go up to people and just ask them to buy our core offer. There, you, there are ways to do it. There's only one way to do it on our site. We don't really do that. We okay. follow, we, we do follow-ups through, we, uh, to our leads as well as our purchases of the, um, the next stage. So, um, I'm actually, I'll start from the beginning rather than the, the end. When you're creating these okay. things, you want to start from the ending. You want to start from core offering and splinter out. That's the best way to mm -hmm. do it. But let me get, let me kind of draw the map back this way where if you are, so if you have like a solid lead generation piece, it should then lead to uh, some sort of some sort of sale or webinar after that. So trying to get them to either commit money or time to you. So they've mm -hmm. raised their hand and shown you information. If they don't do it immediately, have follow-up sequences that then get them to take that action and then remarket to them after that with that or, or direct upsell for that, for that final core offering as it stands. So it's really just a matter of kind of segmenting different bits of, uh, of your offer and then um, trying to kind of bring people through the, the, the customer journey from lead to actual, you know, real customer. So rather than, I look at it as lead, one-time buyer, multi-time purchaser or mm -hmm. customer at that point. And so you want to so, try and bring them through using techniques so like that. You're saying like your, your um, subscription product would appeal to people who are coming to you to learn about social media or um, SEO or, and so you yeah. would splinter those out and have- Yeah, so, um, so say for instance, we had a, a lead generation piece that's like five minute, S, uh, I'll do it, yeah, like a five minute SEO checklist. Like mm -hmm. give us your email address, get a, get a checklist, go through it. Then what would, what would happen next is we'd say, you know, now that you have your SEO checklist, there's other things, there's other things you have to consider after you finish this checklist. And we have a $7, like, cor like not course, $7 plan that you can buy that kind of brings you through all of that. So then it's really to see who's there for just the free stuff versus who's going to raise their hand to actually be a, a buyer at some point. Mm. So, but it's still relevant to what they what they signed up for what they right what they you're raised. not sending them stuff about social media at that point yeah, they're, they're not getting it so yeah if they're doing seo we're not sending things about optimization or mm -hmm. really anything it's they're purely kind of seo focused and then once they raise their hand for that thing and purchase we do a well this is a part of a set of digital marketing tools and you can get this so that's our put our pivot there so okay. that's where we make that make that transition so i think what i'm mostly taking away from this so far is not to send people to your homepage, to splinter out <laughs> and send yeah. people to um, be, be specific that pertain to the reason they're coming to your site. Yeah, people um, are coming to your site for a, for a specific reason. They're trying to alleviate some kind of pain point, especially if it's from a like we're not even really getting into uh, traffic sources and different mm -hmm. kind of inspirations for like in the intents of traffic sources. Like if people are, are coming from an organic situation, they're generally looking for a problem to be solved. 
Uh, mm -hmm. But likely those people aren't willing to willing to pay right away. <laughs> 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 um, those, those are those are kind of the long the, the longer term people. Right. Um, whereas people coming from paid channels, they still want something, want a question answered and fulfilled. But how it's framed will be your 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 messaging is framed in such a way that's going to turn them into customers much faster. Or you can tweak it in such a way that that'll be the case. Um, so. so Yep. I see that called um, intent-based funnel optimization. Somebody just typed that in. And mm -hmm. I had this conversation um, with a client this week where, you know, they were saying, okay, if I, if I have a recipe on my blog um, and then suggest a product that goes along with that recipe, people are going to buy it. And I was saying, no, because they don't have the intent to purchase something if they're coming to look for the recipe. And I think in a lot of people's minds, um, they think, yeah, but then they see it and then they want it. So they'll buy it. But there's there's so much that comes down to the there, intent of why. Yeah, there's a, there's a nurturing process, and 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 one of the things we do we do a lot of retargeting. So I mean, we'll do if somebody is we we'll spend good money on ads to send at least on Facebook. We found out on Google this didn't work. It uh, we we lost a lot of money on that one. Um, but on so on Facebook we did a uh, we, we were doing our style was to pay for people to get to blog posts, just content. And then we'd pixel people from there and then send them kind of a more direct response style uh, display ad that would follow them. Um, and has been very, very profitable for us. Um, it's been, a, they, at the time they weren't ready to purchase, but then they get to actually consume the content. Because probably at that time too, if they're asked, they haven't really consumed it, like for a recipe. I got this sweet recipe, but they don't know if it came out the way they wanted it to yet. They're gonna need some time to actually use it and figure mm -hmm. out if that's something they wanna do. And so that's, that's how we look at a lot of our um, a lot of our stuff, and I think when you're in the marketing world, marketing to marketers, um, mm -hmm. it takes a little bit longer that 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 period of time for them to actually get that intent. It takes a little bit longer, but when you when you have things like that, I mean, it's like you you can have a, a great follow up if they had to give you an, uh, an email address for the recipe. You could have a follow up sequence that's like, "Hey, ha how'd you like it?" Yeah. Um, turn that, so that into a way to nurture them and get get the right intent. And, so and that follow-up series is a big part of how you would recommend somebody increase their conversion rate. Yeah, if, and especially if you're looking at, if, if you're just looking, if you're running just kind of like a lead gen types, if you're doing pure lead gen, mm -hmm. make sure you have a, like, have a goal in mind for like the leads once you have them, which would be some, uh, a follow-up series of some kind. Justin, what would you, um, when you do a retargeting campaign like that, what are you then, like you kind of pique their interest with, let's say a recipe, and then what is the follow-up? Is that a um, more content to kind of stoke the relationship or is, is that actually more of a, um, you know, sending them to a webinar or a sales page or so that sort of thing? I mean, you, you balance it out. Um, for a lot of our stuff, we'll do like between, depending on price points too, we'll do like three to five emails that they'll get over a period of time. Some are goodwill campaigns, like where we're just giving them stuff. And then at the end, you give them the hook. Whereas other ones are, we might just go heavy sales on it and just be, oh, hey, we have like, you bought, you got this report. We have this, or you have, you got this checklist. We have this great report um, for seven bucks. Normally it's this like, and then kind of spell it out in more of a, of a direct response style uh, sales letter. Um, we do those a lot for, in, in three email batches for kind of our lower ticket items to try and get people to raise their hand earlier on and then get them on the right right list <laughs> for, for you know, ascending them further uh, at the organization. Um, but it really does, it comes down to just tweaking and trying out 
um, for longer, longer term sales or higher ticket items, you're going to have a longer, uh, longer follow-up sequence. That's likely going to incorporate other goodwill pieces that kind of show that you're not just a one trip pony. Holy cow. This all sounds like so much work. It's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and this, this um, is even, like, it's this a is lot of writing. Proper, this is all just proper marketing. Um, I mean, we're not yeah, even talking about CRO, right. CRO stuff at all. Like, this is actually, it's funny because I, it's multiplier opt-in conversion rates was the, the title. And we, we just kind of went down the road of like CROs, unless you have, unless you, when you don't have those things in place, mm -hmm. CRO isn't for you yet. CRO is for kind of like a top 10% of people. You need to make sure your stuff mm -hmm. dialed in and make sure you're doing things correctly. If you're not, uh, if you have a bad offer or you don't have follow-ups in place or you don't have, you know, like your, 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 your funnel's working, What's going to end up happening is you are just, it's kind of putting lipstick on a pig. If you're just doing like, Oh, I'll change the button around or, Oh, the landing page needs to change around. Like, oh, I love that. I love how you worded that, that it's lipstick <laughs> on a pig. So you have to make sure those pieces Shut are up. before you even care. Okay. Yeah. yeah it's, um, it's exactly how it is. And I think there's, it's, it's, it's a huge problem, especially with the emergence. I actually kind of take, uh, responsibility for for the problem, like being the, the <laughs> evangelist to... for so long. Yeah. And the, the fact of the matter is, like, like testing and optimization is great, but like, uh, like if you don't have anything to optimize because it's garbage, then you're, it, it is. You're just you're, you're it's garbage in, garbage out. So have your fundamentals covered, please. Like, don't think that some like you see all these case studies, like oh, changing this, at, reducing a form field on. I, I saw this today. It was reducing a form field for mm -hmm. some travel site increase their bottom line by like like 121 million dollars it's like well that's an outlier okay that's <laughs> it's not reduction of a form field it's like what was the form field was it like we hate your mom yes or no like what was the form field <laughs> One. okay that, i mean that's clearly, yeah, that's clearly an outlier all right so like, yeah the stuff is the thing that's really setting poor expectations for for clients for bosses, uh -huh. and it's making the people who actually are the practitioners go, well, well, well damn, like I, like I, I've been averaging like like a like single digit increases, but they've been able to go to I can actually monetize that, and it's mm -hmm. real. It's not like some false, false bit of information. There's too much hyperbole, and it's it's problematic. Hmm. Off my soapbox. So <laughs> so once once you have that funnel in place, once you have the um, and Ashley, I think you're taking notes on what he's saying are the mm -hmm. essential parts of that funnel. Once you have the um, awesome offer that you know the form is functioning, you have the follow up series, you have um, things splintered out. What are the basic CRO components that you would recommend going through? Yeah. So once that's built out, I one have an Excel sheet even, or use something like Heap Analytics, or even set it up, set visualization in Google Analytics. Did you say Heap, H-E-A-P? Yep. Okay. Um, Hotjar will do it too. Hotjar does like everything. Um, Pod shower? Oh. <laughs> Hotjar. Hotjar. It's, 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 as, it's as weird of a name. It's as weird of a name. I heard pod shower. I was like, what's a okay. I want I want to create a, a, a podcast called Pod Shower now. Pod shower. <laughs> no having in the shower, Justin. <laughs> I, I, I'd have to get like a new phone every every week or yeah, something. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they probably just like bought the rights to it right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Lindsay. Wait. 
Ryan appreciated that. <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> um, but really, what can you, you really quick just say what those do above yeah. and beyond Google Analytics? Like, so why Google would... Analytics will visualize your stuff, and it requires a. It's more. It's less intensive than Google Analytics. Google Analytics okay. has like a million different ways to do the same thing, and mm -hmm. that that in itself, I'm actually working on a certification with our um, our marketing coordinator at DM for analytics, like applied analytics. So rather than doing like the standard going through Google's just like, this is how you do everything. It's like, this is like the mindset you need, the stuff you need to look at and then how to actually do it. So kind of getting rid of all the, the extra stuff that's, that might be overwhelming. And so okay. that's something with, that's what heap will do essentially uh, Hotjar will do a similar thing. So Hotjar does like heat maps, session recordings, form analysis and funnel analysis. But that will be only off of like the funnel analysis, I believe, only does a segment of about five thousand people, so it's it's not great data if you have a, a massive website, but still okay. very very useful. And so that so when you have that stuff set up, first look for your drop off points. So don't just start going. You know, I like I because this is the start of my my sequence. I should start working here. You find the fir first the opportunity point. So look in analyt in GA keep. Hotjar, whatever you're using, and look for where you see drop-offs between steps. So you know when there's a drop-off between the step, there on the page prior to that drop-off, that's where problems lie, where there's an area of opportunity. Um, and making sure that when you're going through these kind of drop-off pages that you're not at the end where it's a thank you page because they should all be leaving, like they're, they're gone, good. Like right. <laughs> contextualize those things. But specifically, look for those drop-offs and go, all right, now, now that we've identified where an area is, then what you want to do is look functional. Is there anything functionally wrong with the site? Is it is it not showing in the browser correctly? Is our mobile users dropping off? Like what's happening? So I think do that a full. overlooked so often. Yep, yep, yep. That and so you start looking pure functional, and then if if functions fine, then you start looking at kind of kind of your layouts and the and kind of how the user interacts, and that's. That's where I think um, there's a lot of cheap tools out there that'll make this really easy. So you're not just like guessing um, mm -hmm. or just going like, oh, Justin said to try this out and it didn't work and I hate him now. Because um, <laughs> I don't want that. I just truly want everybody to like me. Um, it's, it's, just, it's just how I you feel. You just need those vanity all the, metrics. All the time, really all the time. About. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite vain. Um, but <laughs> um, really take a look at, and I've talked about Hotjar already, which will give you this information. Just get more like drill down into where where your problem areas are. So one of the things you can do is user testing. So go to like usertesting.com or um, what is it? Uh, Usability Hub is awesome. So one of the thing, one of the, the cool tools they have there is it used to be called fivesecondtest.com, which then I think got bought by Usability Hub. And what they do is they show you a page for five seconds, take it away, ask you a question. Two questions you need to ask. <laughs> like what, like, who is this person? What do they, mm -hmm. the three questions are, like, who's this person? What do they do? And, um, uh, and how can you get it? If they can't answer those in five seconds of being on your site, you're doing something wrong. So you need to work on your copy immediately. Wow. Okay. Copy and imagery. So with usability hub, if I have a website, I can go there and set up like a campaign to show that website to random people yep. and get feedback on what, Mm -hmm. what they perceive my site to be about. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Okay. Um, and I think they do a lot. They, you can pay and they also have like a karma system. I just think it's fun. Like I'll, I'll be really bored 
on like a Thursday or something. Today's Thursday, <laughs> so I'll probably end up doing it. I actually, I'll just go through and go through people's stuff. Like, I'll be one of those people that's like, yeah, I have so many karma points now. It's crazy. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Now Thursday you can come um, blab surf and show up on our blab. It's like, there we go. go. (laughs) So I I think to answer your question, it's, I, I do have, and actually one of the things I'm working on right now for kind of my major talking points in 2016 are going to be about like a resurgence of like best practices um, became best practices because like one, people have been trained to look for these things. And, mm-hmm. and two, like it, it, it's, it, it is logical. Um, best practices are a starting point. So when you create something, it's totally okay to go, oh, you know what? I should have social proof here. But as, mm-hmm. and, and you put it on there, but then don't just leave it. <laughs> like create a baseline and then come up with a hypothesis and say, maybe, maybe that's taking up too much space in a crucial spot. So maybe uh-huh. uh, one thing, one thing, um, so a, a buddy of mine, Ollie Gardner, who founded Unbounce, he has a really cool bit of information he shares that's about um, content that's in proximity to your call to action. He goes, mm-hmm. whatever we put there, except for a privacy policy, completely tanks conversion rates because there's just more stuff near that primary focus, even if it's social proof, even if it's mm-hmm. more, more um, bits of information about how long it's going to take for them to do it like get it done now or it's totally free even those things they all just tank so maybe social proof yes it's something that you should be using and it does fit under that best practice guys and yeah you you saw your baseline but maybe it might be in the wrong spot on your site and could be causing distraction um, like cta confusion or distractions there so common practices i'm all for like, like you know what if you're launching a site go for it there's a reason why there's there's templates there's a reason why there's there's themes out there but don't get lazy like you need to iterate upon these things Mm-hmm. So follow follow those best practices. I have no problem saying that. It's it really just comes down to being able to turn them into a more um, customized version for for things that convert for you. After that, I keep. I have a question. Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say I keep coming back to this idea because I'm trying to take everything you're saying and think about my client sites. I probably mm-hmm. shouldn't do that on the lab. <laughs> um, what? So um, I'm trying to go through that, and I. At, at its most basic um, level, what you continue to emphasize all these things, but um, I have a hard time getting clients to try and determine what is your actual goal with the customer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and they're like, "Well, I hope they come to my site and read this, and then click on the ads, and that's mm-hmm. how I make money, or um, they purchase an affiliate product or something." But it's it's got to be really defined. What is your goal? Yeah. Do you want their email address, or do you? you know, a really defined goal. Yeah. Um, and I think what, what they need to look at and, and every page has two types of goals. They have mm-hmm. immediate page goal and then campaign goal. Uh, immediate, I, mean, I guess there's three immediate, immediate page goal, campaign goal, and then ultimate business goal. Um, okay. if campaign. So if you're, if you're running, like if, if you're not just a single kind of campaign type trick pony there, like a, a one campaign pony, so to say. So every page they should, they should have something in something, in mind of like, all right, on this, so say somebody hits my homepage. I know, mm-hmm. I think I know on my homepage, I want them to get, I, ideally I want them to get directed to, um, there's several areas I want them to get directed to. So I want them to engage somehow and like top funnel metric, super easy to get people to do that. I want them so to that's engage. that's your immediate goal. Yeah, that's my immediate goal, immediate page goal uh-huh. right there. Uh, like kind of the, the campaign level goal will then dictate from where they're clicking to. 
So mm -hmm. if they're clicking to join now, campaign goal would be, I want them to join DM. Like, <laughs> I want them to do that. And that actually start fit, starts to fit in line with business goals. So campaign goal and business goal can actually start collapsing, which is why sometimes I just say like uh, immediate page goal and campaign goal. Mm -hmm. uh, if they click to a blog post, that campaign then be, then turns into, I want them to sign up for our email list. Uh -huh. to, to, so they'll take one of, in, in every blog post, we have two offers that's midway and at the end as well for them to sign up for some kind of report or something that's uh, similar, that, that it has something to do with the content they're reading. Similar to those, those, those pops. And those are inline forms though. Yeah, those are inline, those are inline. So actually those are click, it, it, it's a click to landing page actually. So click okay, to landing so, page for so those ones. So it's halfway through the blog post and then at the yeah. end? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And um, so then- Do you manually, do you manually manage those? Like when you re write a blog post, you're going in and like creating or choosing or creating a new lead gen product yeah. to yeah. Yeah. So that we have, we all, we all, We're fortunate enough to have a lot of these lead gen products that we've created over time from, from kind of that splintering method that I was talking about. And actually Lindsay's here who, she's our managing editor. Mm -hmm. And yes, we do manually pick those things. <laughs> she Hi, will, um, for, for those, for whatever content she's, uh, hey Lindsay, how's it going? For whatever, uh, for whatever content is she's putting up there. She, uh, Grover? <laughs> What's that? I, I don't know what, what voice that was. That was I think just you a... just were Grover. <laughs> uh, I haven't seen <laughs> Or Ernie, maybe it was Ernie. Might have been, might have been. I think you and I are more, <laughs> more in tune with one another. But yeah, she, she for whatever piece of content, she has that that the the closest lead gen kind of campaign bit of content that has to do with that bit of content she puts it in. Do you guys have a list of um, suggested lead gen topics? Um, actually, what Lindsay? What do we have? Like, um, what, yeah, lead magnet topics. What are some of the ones that we do? I should know this, but I you probably have an opt-in listing all those lead gen yeah, things, right? Yeah. <laughs> She'll put it in the comments. She said, subscribe please. here and you'll get the list. Uh, Dante, that no, that's right? not right. There that's, we go. Yeah, there so, she's got it right yeah, here. Go right there. <laughs> like, that's actually one of our lead magnets, or so one of our lead generation devices is that actual thing. Uh, and so it's the list to get, it's such a meta thing. It, like, I feel yeah. like such a hipster talking <laughs> about it. Um, <laughs> so meta. This is why it's so fun to, if you guys, any of you listening right now, if you ever have the um, opportunity to go listen to Justin speak at a conference, he's so fun to listen to. He's really fun. <laughs> yeah. Clearly. Oh, he just carried up. Okay. Ooh. Yeah, that's, that's some serious business right there. <laughs> um, gosh, I'll, I'll never look like a serious and a serious adult ever. <laughs> with, with Lindsay what what if um if you don't so going back to I keep re referencing the same client that does recipes. What if you don't know what kind of lead gen to do? Where can you come up with um or lead magnet? So mm -hmm. this is like a a giveaway that would um influence somebody to give you their email address so that they could download this item. If you're in an industry and you're like, I have no idea what people want, then how can you figure that out? Um, one, we'd, I'd recommend just test, like seeing what your competitors are. I mean, mm -hmm. I know a lot of people say your competitors don't know what they're doing either, but in some cases they do, um, mm -hmm. specifically with some of their, their offers, okay? So look at what they're offering at the kind of the lead gen level, and then what you need to do is make it 10 times better. 
Um, make it something that is better than the alternative that's out there that's still highly specific and highly valued. So it solves a direct problem or, or meets a direct need immediately. Um, Do you so have it needs to be something that I I want to add something to that just kind of because I get this all the time. 10 times better does not mean 10 times longer. longer. Yes. Oh so many people that are like, well, they have this like free report. So I'm going to write a 47 page ebook nope, nobody, on nobody how to do the same thing. And it's like, ooh. Nobody wants I see that a lot. Like somebody will give away, you know, top 10 tools for conversion optimization. And so somebody then creates one that's top 360 tools for internet marketing. I'm like, I don't want to use 360 tools. Like, ain't nobody. <laughs> Time for terrible. that. Nobody, yeah. right. um, no, it, it really comes down to it needs to be highly specific and high perceived and actual value. So it, I, I know that. Yeah, and then Dante has it right there solves a solves a simple problem or meets a simple need. So uh, what that, if, that's, how, how do you figure out what the problems are that they want solved? Um. Well, you should kind of have that idea based off of your company. I think like if like so say so say if what does this client do? In particular, so they do recipes, or is it just like a recipe blog, yeah, or yeah, like yeah. a recipe okay. blog? Okay, and do they sell anything, or is it just affiliate? Affiliate and ads is their monetiz okay. monetization. So this okay. is the first problem right there. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I think before you even can think about what the giveaway is and the magnet that you call it, is what what are we even trying to do here? Yeah, mm -hmm. what's the yeah. goal? Yep. You know, and capture an email address, I think, is the obvious thing for those of us who realize that you should be capturing emails, mm -hmm. not mm -hmm. just sending people away. Because if you're doing that, you're just borrowing Google's traffic and, you know, yep. giving it away again. And at least capture an email or try to turn someone into your own customer on the way through. And I think getting that, you know, getting people to that realization is, is huge. Mm -hmm. um, I, and that's usually an opt-in email form, right? So if you're going to do that, then you got to actually, like, have an email sequence or something that, mm -hmm. you know, something to send to them. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's, you know, and yeah, you can send them the giveaway, but then what are you going to do with them after that? Right. Mm -hmm. um, you know, right. Yeah, and because, I think that's where a lot of people get lost. Like weekly yeah. update your blog posts, or maybe it's an email sequence or something about a certain type of cooking in your case or whatever. Um, and yeah, I think that that's a, that's a huge thing to figure out first and not easy. Well, yeah, and because Ashley and I work so much with bloggers, that's our primary audience. You know, I'm doing affiliate coaching with bloggers and um, Ashley works with a lot of bloggers that are just starting out. And it's really hard to um, identify what is the purpose. What do I want my audience to do? If you're a blogger, you're like, well, I want them to read my blog. Yeah. So well, one thing I'd say you should do, look at some of the most popular content that they had, what spoke, mm -hmm. what, what spoke most to them. And then actually do you know what? Just repurpose it as a lead generation device. Oh, like if, that's a that's a great idea. Because you're so yeah. close to your content, you know you're duping right there. But if it's a PDF, you're not going to hit. Like as a PDF download, you're not going to hit for dupe content. Right. Um, so there's no SEO problems there. And also, no one is as close to your content as you, and they really won't get all that upset if they gave their email address away. If they're paying for it, then yeah, I could see them getting mad. Right. But right. they do that. That we do that all the time. <laughs> so. <laughs> That's um, a great, I've never thought about that. That's a really great idea where you, okay, you could even combine three of your most popular mm -hmm. blog posts into a PDF and yep. make that the download. Or you, or, you, or you could even take those, like if you have a particular, say you have a, a sequence that you really like, like a best of sequence, you can turn that into an email oh. sequence um, too. So 
it's not all, so, like if you're doing a goodwill campaign, you can turn that into your, uh, kind of a, a goodwill campaign based off of content, content based. Like, so it, would it, you then take it off the blog or still leave it up there? No, because or you can just are, link to the blog. Yeah, you just link it. Link to, the blog to it. Too. That okay. could be your once content. Content. I mean, once you post something on a blog, it falls off the bottom and disappears unless someone finds yeah. it with a Google search, right? right? So it's exactly that's all. They're digging in your archives. Yeah. Not again, as, as, as Lindsay said in the comments, she actually just posted a link. Um, where we did just that with uh, the blog post ideas that actually turned into one of our most successful lead generation campaigns because it was one of our most high, the highest traffic bit of content we had. And we're like, well, okay, let's purpose this and send some ads to it. Like what's going on? So mm -hmm. I feel like what you just said is probably the most um, easily used takeaway so far oh, yeah. that I'm going to go back and do on, <laughs> on the sites that I work with. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so we have that link. Um, Ashley, when we do the replays, the comments don't show up, right? So we need to grab those. Um, the comments up. do show up. Okay. If they are watching the replay in Blab, the downloaded version of the video that goes to YouTube does not have the comments. Unless they, they've kind of been tweaking like how the download works. Like the first couple weeks, nothing had the comments and then they're making it better, so. Um, the most recent one may actually have had it. But yeah, the comments will be there. I've also noticed if we get a lot of comments, like in the last one that went like over two hours, yeah. um, like not all the comments were there. So I'm trying to write down as much here too. So okay. we'll have um, on the replay, I'll put up a PDF with some of the like best tips and everything. Yeah, so. Ashley does a really cool um, like checklist afterwards of the- of Oh, the great. And stuff. I want to carry this thought through to one, one more level though, because you know, so yeah, you get this best of, five post series or whatever that you're going to follow up with, but you still need something at the end. Yes. You need yes. call to action. You need something that this person's going to do at the end. They can't and be just reading with these bloggers. <laughs> they probably don't have something, right? Yeah. Uh -huh. um, and, you know, what do you end up with at the end? Yeah, you've done a goodwill thing and you've got some happy person who's read five emails and hopefully they've read all five. They probably only read three. And what happens at the end? And that's, that's the call to action. That's the that's the thing. And for these bloggers, what is it? And maybe it's a you know a product, or is it an ad, or is it you know? Yep. I don't I don't know what most bloggers do there, but um, I think that's a really important thing to consider. It is, Scott. It's absolutely crucial. And I think bloggers have a hard time with this. And I think people who are even further behind bloggers on this are podcasters. Um, they're, they're just as bad with it. Where they're they're creating media for media's sake. What mm -hmm. media should be doing is sending people to some type of, of offer of some kind. And you need to be able to create that. So you need to have, like, it goes back to me talking about page level goals and campaign level goals and then business level goals. All right. What the bloggers are generally missing where they're just like, I want people to read. And they all I don't talk like voice. that. Just, just, just the people <laughs> talk I'll talk like that. Yeah. Um, That's the Muppet bloggers. <laughs> I talk to a lot of Muppets. Uh, <laughs> Wait, they're, they're what was the middle one? You said page level, campaign level, campaign level, and site, or? and actually just business business goals. Oh, so campaign, so page I goals, campaign. Side business. comments. Oh I gosh, the like, gallery. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's I live with this. <laughs> well, I don't know if you noticed. I don't know if you noticed earlier, but um, Coffee Nate Nate Smith was talking about different songs you guys have sung together in. Oh, we've sung so. a lot. We've sung some yeah. good ones. So, <laughs> okay, <laughs> so. So actually, if you're bloggers, they need a product at the end. And if it's, mm -hmm. I think pushing a product on them, an affiliate link or something is probably not going to do well. But, you know, you get, you get this five post thing and maybe they've got another five posts or 10 posts or 
expanding on it, make an ebook out of it mm -hmm. and sell it and you know, or something like that. I mean, they're, they want to make money, turn, right? For recipes, it turns into a cookbook or something. Or right. Right. You're doing affiliate stuff. E like if you're working with any, any, I, I, yeah, an affiliate offer can work. Like if you don't have an offer, I'd, I'd, I'd rather push them to an affiliate offer than nothing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so well, they're yeah. there. I was and trying you can, to, you can, yep, go ahead. I was, oh, I was just going to say, I was trying to think like, um, you know, if they were talking about uh, vegan cooking then, or, or um, cooking for people with high allergies, then they could push them to a product that was um, relevant, like copper um, pans or something that doesn't have, that don't have Teflon. And so they are good for allergy people. So I was trying to think through, okay, what kind of product would go with that um with certain series, but I think you're right doing, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of thoughts. I think we should open up. Um, if anybody else has questions like that for a specific industry as well, Scott, do you want to give yeah. like a rundown of what we've talked about so far for people hopping in? I've been watching. I don't think people have been hopping in and out in this, in this okay. case. So I don't, I don't think we need to recap totally, but yeah, we're, we're talking about, um, conversions and, and funnels and, um, optimizing conversion rates, but we also talked about optimizing is worthless if you haven't already dialed in your funnel and just got a really good um, landing page and process nailed down, and then you can start to optimize it. So um, make sure you're not putting lipstick on a pig um, <laughs> before you start optimizing and changing button colors. Um, so, I feel like you know, this is that, this major paradigm shift, though, because it's so easy to think, okay, I have to make sure that certain things are above the fold and people in my pictures are looking at my offer and that my um, uh, call to action is a certain color. And it's really easy to ignore, okay, what does that all mean if it's not going anywhere? Yeah, I mean, I've had that, I've had a, a, a realization of, I don't want to say the paradigm shift buzzword, but you know I've kind of had a realization. It pivoted. <laughs> <laughs> pivot. Um, pivot. You know, with, with Sharest, we're a we're a paid service with a free trial, and there's that obvious conversion we we have. We we want people to sign up for the free trial, but you know I'm, you know I can test that and try to get more people to sign up for that. But is there another funnel, or is there a, a different angle that I you know we can do with? Um, you know, a, a goodwill campaign or something like that mm -hmm. and come up with some content like that and just get email addresses and not try to get people mm -hmm. to sign up for a service to try, then, you know, I think, you know, there's, I think there's other funnels even, right. You know, that you can try and, and set up different types of campaigns that are going to um, get people who don't necessarily want to do a trial of a, so of mm -hmm. a service or a software, but just get start to collect yeah. emails. They might be you know, interested yeah. in some content, that you offer. I think what with Sharest specifically, what Justin's been talking about with splintering, um, people come to Sharest for, for some very different reasons. You know, some people are coming for um, social media scheduling and some people are coming for the publishing aspect. Some people are coming because they work with a big team and they want to organize their clients and collaborate. So even just having landing pages and content that go with each of those different um, personas. Shopify actually, Shopify did some really interesting stuff where they just did a um, a, a trial cart of just creating a Facebook store, which was just one part of their mm -hmm. product for free. Go nuts, create a Facebook store. That's easy for people. Like I'm on Facebook. I would like to create a store and they do it, mm -hmm. but then they see when they're using it, that it's part of a suite. And then the upsell just makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, That's and so they, 
really good yeah. with that too, where, where they have like a free portion of each one of their products. But then if you, once you get into that free portion, you can see all the upgrades and you're like, oh, yeah. I really need that. And so you end up buying yeah. it. Well, that's, that's what we do with like our content. So if people just buy like one execution plan from us, they, mm -hmm. they get to, they go into our full like DM lab library and everything else is grayed out. Like, it's like, I have this one thing and they can see the titles of everything else and the other, the other bits there, but it's, it's that same kind of method that, that they do it, but just not at a technology level. Like we're doing it at a, a education level or a mm -hmm. content level. Hmm. I read a really interesting uh, blog post recently about, and I can't think of who put it out. Um, uh, somebody had run a bunch of tests on um, content-based lead gens and creating tools. Mm -hmm. So like creating a little tool on your site that will, um, like for SEO companies, like so it'll analyze your, you know, do a quick mm -hmm. analysis of your page or, you know, like for yeah. sheriffs, you could do like, you know, I don't know, some little tool to analyze like, how much content you're currently sharing and how much you could improve by sharing more what you know whatever it might be and they i mean it was like i don't even remember the stats but crazy numbers of people were um it, it was a huge boost to have these free tools rather than you know people opting in for uh and I mean, even for like the blogging community, there's you know you can say like for recipes like oh well there's nothing but maybe you could have like um, create a little widget that would pull a recipe from, you know, some website and like, you know, save it into like a notepad file for you mm -hmm. or, you know, like little, little just kind of tooltip thing or not tooltips, but um, it was kind of interesting reading. I'll have to find the link. and yeah. see if I, can I really there. wish I could have seen data on. So HubSpot did something like this where they had their, um, I mean, they still, I'm pretty sure they still have it. Like their marketing diagnosis. Like it's like your, and like you just put your website as um, put your website in and it tells you like how your marketing efforts are and it scores you. So wow. it's not necessarily like a tech, but it does a score based on like, Oh, we see you have a blog, but you haven't updated it in three months. So you stink. Um, it's going to do things like that, which I think, I, and, and they would do the kind of the rub at the end of like, oh, do you want to see your results? Give us your email address or like fill mm -hmm. this information out. And so it was a, it was probably one of their marketing qualified leads, not at sales qualified. So probably mid-level, um, but still it, it worked. I think it must've worked well because they ended up. Wait, talk, what happened? Oh. Uh, talk about what you just said. So you differentiate how you look at leads, say that. Oh yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I I mean, most companies do this. I think mostly larger companies when they have a sales force, but mm -hmm. having kind of the, the marketing qualified leads, so the people that should be getting your marketing, but shouldn't be getting sales letters or, or sales stuff. And then what you're trying to do is ascend marketing qualified leads into sales qualified mm -hmm. leads. So you'll see um, di like different HubSpot offers will have different, um, different form lengths. For some of their bigger stuff, it's like the longest form in the world. Like mm -hmm. you're going to give them your firstborn child. Um, I did, by the but, way. They yeah, yeah. but but they get that in, they get that information, and then what they do is that goes to their sales team. Whereas mm -hmm. marketing qualified leads, like, I, I I know from talking to people that work at HubSpot, like um, people on uh, lead generation top funnel stuff, they're going to be doing their their main metric will likely be MQLs. Will be those marketing qualified leads. How mm -hmm. many can they bring in? How do they ascend kind of like those lowest like the 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 lowest of the low of leads that are like email and names? And How do they up. ascend them up? And, and in most cases, I think HubSpot, I think, got rid of just straight email. Like, it's all, like, you need to have, like, business, business size and title. So I think, yeah. like, it's straight MQLs at this point. 
But um, hmm. yeah, like there's a, like, and that's how, I mean, when they're looking at success rates in large organizations, what you're gonna end up having is people, it, like your sales team has a, a percentage close rate. Like it's an expected close rate that they need to hit. So when you start, when you start seeing, you know, we have 500 sales qualified leads coming in this week and you'll be like, all right, well, 10% of those are going to close. So then 50 people will be closed. It's like, and we need to have like X amount more by the end of the month. Then it just kind of goes up the funnel of, okay, we need this many more MQLs mm -hmm. to turn into SQLs to then get closed. So then you can start actually doing some more predictive work mm -hmm. and setting your goals for the, for the week, month, quarter, et cetera. Um, so that's, I mean, that's getting like kind of a lot higher level. Yeah, it things, is. But, um, but some, that, that's but how a lot of organizations to think about because if, you know, even if it's a, if it's a blogger that's bringing in, um, email addresses, it's really important to begin to think about the different goals for the different mm -hmm. places people yeah, are we, signing we up. Something, and... We do something, we don't go like, like SQL, MQL, like we don't go that level at DM. Oh. Um, what we do is we have like different understandings of people on series. So we have like, there's someone like anybody who's brand new will get will be on two different email series. One will be an indoctrination series where we tell them who we are, what to expect, etc. And then the other will be getting their deliverable as well as the associated email series with that. Mm -hmm. um, so actually, when someone joins our email list, they're getting a good amount of email. And and don't be. I think a lot of people are scared to send emails. Like I was giving, a, a, I was doing training in Australia. Like that won't fly here. I was like, yes, it will. <laughs> right. Sending the emails. Yeah, like, mm -hmm. it will fly. Don't worry. If you're not sending emails, you hate money, um, which is. Uh, <laughs> I, I hear so many people say, yeah, if 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 a company is going to send me more than one email a week, I automatically delete them. And I keep thinking, OK, but if you're sending value in your emails, yeah. if it's actually valuable to your user, they're not going to delete you. They I don't, don't, I don't read. Email. I don't read every email Bonobo sends me, but they send me one a day. Yeah. And and a lot of times and I don't you market as spam. I don't market as spam. Mm -hmm. I eventually buy. I like I'm a I'm, that's how I'm on their list. So what we do is we have like kind of indoctrination. Then we have people that are kind of just at the engagement level. So we're like, all right, mm -hmm. like we're trying to we're trying we've segmented you a bit, and now mm -hmm. we're wanting to turn you into a buyer. Which is then we look at ascension level to see if we can get them to buy other products. If and then mm -hmm. based on how they react there, they get pushed to a different kind of like style style list. So we look at we segment our our email lists, and we think everybody should be doing that. So don't go the mm -hmm. the crazy route of like getting into like just like big business jargon of like SQLs, MQLs, like really you're right, Ashley. It's just like, look at people differently. Like take a look at how, right. um, how they, and because people like where people are at when they sign up, like a person that's at the lead level that's, that hasn't bought in a thing from you yet is mm -hmm. not going to be going after that core offer of yours or even some mm -hmm. of your, your like your profit maximizing stuff. Like if you're, if you're a consultant, like a, a consultant layout would be, Kind of the core offering might be just like you know a course of some kind and then on the mm -hmm. back end of that course it's like oh by the way i also can do this for you right so, so we we use at sheriff's we use intercom to do that um mm -hmm. and we you know we segment out the uh active users and the users that we haven't seen for a month and people that are just coming off the free trial versus new yep. users so we have those segmented out and they receive very different um email follow-ups yep. based on that segment. And it's, I, again, like everything we're saying, it's a lot of work to set up, but it's really valuable. If it wasn't hard to do and a lot of work, everyone would be doing it. Everybody would be doing it, yeah. Um, um, really I, want, I want to open up and ask if anybody has any questions. We'll um, probably go for about 10 more minutes and then let Justin hop off of here. Uh, but 
if any <clears throat> if anybody has any questions that they'd like to jump into the blab and ask then i can jump off and let somebody else join so if you are interested in joining just comment here um, you can ask Justin maybe about your specific industry or your specific site or um, any questions you have. Yeah, well, even, even CRO questions. Because I know like we kind of talked about this about like opt-ins and conversion rates and kind of went off the deep end when I think we talked about things that are more important than that. Um, yeah, but if I you do too. have questions regarding that type of stuff, I'm more more than well willing to, to answer that. I have a I'll question about my seat. I'll, I'll empty my seat and anyone can jump in. So okay. I'll, I'll, I I'll still be watching. Sure I want to make sure we answer David Kutcher's question. Are you advocating recommending interrupting the user experience? I think the way you answered that was to test it, to test which works for, so yeah. try it and test it. But the, the, the different, yeah. For, so I, interrupting, like, like, like I was talking about between disruptive being by its very nature, um, by my, by something disruptive is going to get, is, is going to get, views and those types of things. So you are like any sort of disruptive tactic will get acknowledgement. It's just a matter of if that disruptive attack, if this, if the disruption is offensive or not. Um, and if it's providing a huge amount of value, then yeah. it's not as offensive. Okay. Ashley, what was your question? Um, when it going back to like actually optimizing, you know, let's say you get your whole funnel squared away, like mm -hmm. this whole mindset thing that we're talking about, which I agree is like the biggest issue for most people right now. It's like they they think they need to get to the conversion part, and you know, it's all of the other pieces are not in place yet. But let's say you're there, you have a website, your your funnel's all squared away, um, your follow ups are there, you've got a good call to action. Is there a tool, so one of my issues when I've looked at optimizing my conversions over the years and, and kind of like a barrier to entry is you look at like a landing page or you look at a sales page and there's so many components of that page. Like how do you know, is there a tool that you use for, um, I don't even know if it would be a tool, but like where do you even start as far as like you mentioned okay having like testimonials right next to your uh call to action button that that you know that ollie gardner i think you said was um had found that anything closer to the button for him mm -hmm. led to lower um conversions but you know it's like i look at a huge landing page and i'm like okay well i can test removing this i can test switching that around like mm -hmm. like like what is your thought process or is, is there a good approach as to how to even like start with it? Because there are so many like which, elements, which, elements on a page, like how, yeah. you know, um, I mean, yeah. I guess you can use like, 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 like going to maybe some of the heat map stuff or like, yeah. like a best process for like how you would look at things to remove things to test and yeah, maybe I, not I, testing everything at once. Cause yeah. I think, also yeah, something that's just a murky like that's yeah, yeah you don't know what are what's a conversion depressor or conversion lifter if you're doing that unless you're running multivariate tests which i doubt people are um right. but really what it is and it comes down to using those qualitative tools i think um are, impo are important but one another another piece you can do is look at the um the continuity between the previous like ad or previous page and that page they're hitting at to make sure that you're hitting the right you're, you're, you have the right messaging that they're expecting. Mm -hmm. So expectations might not just be met. Um, so that could be something, if you have an ad, make sure, uh, like I, I use this example every year and it is always the same, like, and I, I always update it. I just go into Google, I type iPhone, I go to the first three ads and I look at their landing pages and Sprint is the 
worst because they send you to a landing page. It's like, hey, tell us your uh, your zip code. <laughs> and, and you're then you like, I shouldn't open an iPhone. Yeah, you're like, I just want to know what's up. And then they, they when you get after you give them that, they end up not even talking about the iPhone yet. And what just set the right expectations. There might be a a, a break between there, um, which which is one thing. But if you're looking at just kind of on page stuff, uh, I. Anybody that tells you like, oh, change this, change this. And I, I hate landing page critiques that don't have proper information um, there. Cause a lot of people are like, oh no, 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 just change that logo or you know, move the stuff around. Um, I generally don't like those because they don't know how people are interacting with the site. So these usability tools that are out there, those like, um, like Hotjar or Usability Hub, they will show you a glaring error. I mean, unless it's, unless it comes down to something that's like you're, <laughs> your call to action matches your background color or something where they can't see it. <laughs> what, 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 like those tools will show you um, when it's not that much of a, you know, it's a, a mistake. Um, then it's going to take a little bit more digging from the qualitative side because your numbers will tell you where to start. And then kind of these other things will tell you what to do um, because optimization is very much, very, very, very much um, about your current situation. Um, I think that, um, one of the things that I found really useful for just getting started is both heat maps. And then I can't remember which tool it is, but in AppSumo, they have one that shows you how many times people have clicked on different elements on your site. Yeah, most, so most heat maps have that uh, okay. in there as well. Those have click, like, so like the click, click tracking and click reporting, yeah. Um, so this click reporting will show you if you if you have that on your site, then you can see, oh, that's not even a clickable button, but people are clicking on it over oh and God. over. I have a perfect and, example of this. We did okay. this at DM, so on our homepage, um, and this is below the fold, like way below the fold. We had um, an example of kind of our execution plan library. On those images, it, we just kept the same like like click to read, like like it says in our library. It's just a screenshot of it, but everybody was clicking that image on those spots, thinking they yeah. could get it right there. But that image wasn't clickable. It brought them nowhere. And so, so the first thing to change. First thing we do. First thing we did is, and this is an obvious thing. And I, the reason I wanted to, I wanted to test it so I could monitor conversion rates. Because mm -hmm. obviously, if you add a link to something, it's going to get more clicks because just by the fact that they're clicking there. And so I just turned it into a sent them to our sales letter for DM Lab. Um, we ended up increasing DM Lab sales by about forty percent. Oh, just Jeez. because you realized what people were clicking. Just because on. like, oh hey yeah, people are clicking here. This is what they want. We just met mm -hmm. expectations. Conversion rate optimization is really kind of like it's really um, more Figuring about out what the expectations are yeah, immediately. It's, it's, yeah, exactly. It's it goes back down to user experience. Mm -hmm. So it's it's are we are we providing them the most logical and useful and easy way to navigate the site to meet their needs? Are we so able actually, to do that? That's what I think I would start with. If you're looking at all these elements, look, are and is anybody clicking something that is not clickable and is anybody not clicking things that are clickable? then test how can I make it appear more clickable. Like a lot of times, um, if if you have a button and it's just the outline of the button. And oh, then the word, ghost button? Those the ghost worst. button, yeah. People don't realize it's a button. And so, no, they don't. Um, they don't click on it. Uh, so then they're, testing they're a different cool. look for that. Those are cool as a visual hierarchy perspective. Like say you have that, a ghost button next to it. Like say that's your secondary call to action, like a learn more and others a buy now. Mm -hmm. um, if the buy now is a solid button directly next to that, 
the mm-hmm. buy now will have like that it'll get more Spins of the out. eyes but it also mm-hmm. contextualizes the ghost button to get them to that secondary call to action for people in that user persona that's like i need to research everything um that's what that will do so that's a, i hate ghost buttons when using correctly but they can be used well and they do they, they look cool like stylistically like i can see why designers wanted to use them yeah but it's a matter of making them work for you and not just assuming people know what they are what they are and what they do this has been a big struggle for me because a lot of times I'll work with designers who are helping design my client's site. And I mm-hmm. wish so badly every designer understood the really basic conversion principles because they, um, you know, they're so focused on the look of something and the beauty and all of that. But really, the whole yeah. purpose of having a website is to typically make more money. And so yeah. it's such a struggle for me because I'm like, I know that looks pretty, but based on yeah what's, what's pretty factors. doesn't always convert yeah what's yeah. pretty doesn't always convert um that yeah I, I i saw like i i every now and then i'll dive into like oh what are designers doing these days and i dig yeah. into like oh top design trends and i was like this cannot be like parallax design and those things i'm like i'm getting motion sickness yeah. from here that i don't know what to do um, i don't know what, what they expect of me or what they want me to accomplish so i feel like there's a there's a big niche open there for conversion-based designers if i could Mm -hmm. find a designer that really knew conversion topics well i would hold on to them tightly yes yes Um, i think nobody's jumping in to ask questions i had one more question for you and i feel like it's kind of obscure um but see if you can answer this so one of the questions that i've seen come up a lot um oh scott's coming back in Um, when I look at people that are um, coming up into affiliate, coming to Affiliate Summit for the first time, one mm-hmm. of the biggest struggles that they're having is they say, I get a lot of clicks on affiliate products, but then nobody converts. I know it's mm-hmm. hard to answer that or give a piece of advice on that based because the, it, you don't have any more information. But what if you could give a really generic piece of advice, what piece of advice would you give to people who are getting lots of clicks on their affiliate links, but no conversions? I, th- I mean, quite honestly, they're probably just optimizing for clicks. They're not taking, they're not thinking about the the next step. So they're probably mm-hmm. doing everything they can to get people to click there. And it might not be, it might be just the, the, the consistency between the two might be off where they so, might be saying something where it's not necessarily reiterated correctly or um or or something they think's awesome that might be like lower on the sales page for that might not be immediately valuable for them or immediately seen which could cause a problem so the, i think when when you have like affiliates that are looking at all right I, i'm trying to get as many clicks as i can on this it's like well are you priming these clicks for the next experience so maybe looking at matching your language to the page that it what goes language, to language fonts looks everything oh. you can <laughs> everything you can to do that yeah and that's yeah nate made a good point good point assuming the merchant oh, has so not nate. yeah <laughs> what'd, you, what'd you say scott yeah i said don't be so cynical nate <laughs> um, yeah. but nate, no i mean actually i was going to suggest even talking to the merchant i mean and you know if you've mm-hmm. got if you've got a million affiliate links and a million merchants that you're working with you obviously can't do that but if you're focusing on something have a conversation and talk to them about, you know, any advice that they can give on prepping that click for the sale, you know, on the other end, it's, it's pre-selling or priming, like Justin said. Um, And, and yeah, I mean, it's, there's the game of just getting as many clicks as you can, um, Mm -hmm. you know, as as an affiliate or as, you know, but 
know, if you can focus on some things and really kind of pre-sell them and um, maybe it's the wrong product for the page that you're on, you know, that it's, that it's on, you know, thinking about those things too. But yeah, you can get a lot from affiliate managers. They'll, they're willing to give you a lot of information on that. Yeah, as, as, a, as a previous affiliate manager in my time, uh, yes, you can. <laughs> you can get a I lot from I think this them. would be a really interesting blog post. Like if your affiliate offers are not converting, try these 10 things um, and, and you'll see more conversions. Or um, So I'd be interested if you, maybe I'll write that blog post and ask for all of you guys' advice. Yeah. That, I mean, that'd be, that'd be, that'd be cool to, to see and contribute yeah. to. Um, but yeah, I, I think it, co it comes back down to kind of clickbait and that type of stuff. <laughs> like if, if, and, and have you ever seen those, like the perfect headline formula and those things like oh five gosh, yes. that does why with, you know, yeah. and you'll love it. Get, don't, you'll have to check number three though. It's <laughs> yeah, amazing. You're <laughs> right. I won't believe. <laughs> um, you won't believe. Like, like Jim's hate him because he's got to <laughs> just no. It's a, it's you just have to definitely prime those things up and not like not just focus on the click unless you're in kind of the the click game. Like I don't I don't I don't know, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with that one. And, uh, and Lindsay, saying, Lindsay would read that post too. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, Nate had a good point. Nate had a good point here too to make sure you're deep linking, you're sending to a page that's relevant to the offer, not like to the home page mm -hmm. or. Oh, so, God. so yeah, if you're we, talking we talked about, about this homepage earlier, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I, I mean it. Not every affiliate offer offers it, but a lot of people don't realize that in affiliate management uh, portals, like if depending on what you're using, you can actually go in and specify a specific um, landing page. I don't think a lot of like, like you not all affiliates know that. You kind of look through like whatever the available landing pages are. And you just pick one, but um, typically you can also go in and enter in like a specific URL that you want that that affiliate link to redirect to. So, yeah. hmm. kind of affiliate one on one, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I'll uh, work on putting that blog post together. Nice. Well, there you if go. anybody else has any questions, um, then I will start to wrap this up. And cool. um, Ashley, I'm going to let you either Scott or Ashley talk for a second, but um, Justin, thank you so much for being on here. And if you, Ashley, do you want to add the um, link to the Blab so that if people want to subscribe? Yes. Um, yes. So on the Thought Seat, our purpose is we have the three of us, Scott, Ashley, and Ashley, and we um, have a different expert each week or somebody who has questions that we may be able to answer and they come and sit in it's kind of a play on the hot seat they come sit in the thought seat and share their thoughts so if you are interested in being on the thought seat because you have questions about your specific site or you feel like you're an expert on something um which we're big on the fact that every single person we talk to is an expert on something um if you're interested in being in the thought seat then we'd love to hear from you um, and you can click those links to see, to subscribe and to see replays of our um, previous last week or not last week, but the, uh, the one we did before Thanksgiving, we had the founder of um, Drunk Mall and he was talking about how to aid your site in becoming a viral sensation or how to handle it once it does. Um, and we've had a couple other good ones. I think that in the upcoming weeks, we'll have somebody speaking on Snapchat for business and a couple other topics like that. So um, yeah, check out, subscribe, go look at our replays. Justin, I wish you would have been here for the drunk mob. Were you for a little while? 
I don't um, no, I wasn't. I wasn't here for that one. No, he was. <clears throat> he was very interesting. We talked a lot about um, the interesting <laughs> products on his on his website. So I'm going to hand it over to either Scott or Ashley, and you guys can wrap us up. Justin, do you want to? Um, I don't know. Post or mention any other ways that people can follow you, follow your uh, products. Yeah, services? I mean, just check out uh, digitalmarketer.com. Um, our blog is fantastic. Actually, Russ Henneberry. Wait, just you're that. you're um, sending people to your homepage? Uh, yes, <laughs> because I want them. My my goal is to segment them through to different right. things. Right. So to see so what they to, click on once they've gone to your yeah, homepage. Yeah, I need okay. to see where they go once they get there. Um, right. and they can they can check us. I might there. actually try. Have you ever tested out putting a you are here map, like an actual map, on your homepage? <laughs> that would that'd be, that, that, that might be a little <laughs> like just too a clever. visual. That, that might be a little <laughs> too clever. Yeah, that's true. Clever doesn't always convert. No. Uh, <laughs> I will uh, quote you on that. Oh, <laughs> clever doesn't convert. As, as a non-clever man. Clever, clever does not convert. Always. Says the non-clever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, check out our blog. Um, I mean, you there's where you can see the the digital MKTR on Twitter. Um, we're, we're ramping that thing up. Where we'll be posting a lot of a lot of different stuff, including our, our content as well, and stuff we think that's interesting. Um, I think in the in some of the comments as well. Uh, my, I think Lindsay posted the link to the certification I was talking about, um, specifically about optimization. A lot of the stuff I talked about today is the stuff that I actually cover more in depth because we had a lot of kind of high level stuff that mm -hmm. we, had to, we had to cover there. Um, and we definitely didn't have enough time to cover it. Uh, I think it's about like seven and a half hours or so of just me. So if you don't like me, I'm sorry. Uh, no. <laughs> um, I might get is that this link that she just posted the conversion yeah. rate optimization yeah. mastery okay i might get it just for that reason to watch justin <laughs> for seven hours for seven hours. Hours like let's be serious <laughs> i'm just gonna drive um, stalking yeah exactly yeah. just hang out um but yeah that's that's kind of the the whole the whole stick right there and then also i have an, an analytics one will be coming out uh shortly um too and at, oh, an analytics what? An analytics source as well. But actually, Lindsay, can you post the CDMP thing? Sorry if I'm just posting offers, but it's stuff that I think people will really be no, interested it's, in. It's awesome. I think it's really helpful. Um, um, we're, we're actually launching a, a 10 week live course. So it'll cover all of our weeks certifications. Of Justin. Not just me. No, go on. <laughs> <laughs> I would feel miserable for those people. It'll be, uh, it'll be like Ryan, Ryan Dice, Richard Lindner, Russ Hanneberry, uh, myself, John Grimshaw. Uh, Molly Pittman will be doing uh, a course each week. So it's like a super um, like high octane, just covering all of our different certification courses with kind of a lot of, a, a, it's, it's a big commitment, a lot of work that will be have to do on your hand. And we actually have a final project at the end. Um, so we're launching that next year. And so that's out there. It's like college. Oh yeah. It's, it's accelerated <laughs> learning. All right. All right. We got this. <laughs> Your mom went to college. Like, but if you, do want, if you do want all Justin all the time, you can go over to pod shower. And uh, <laughs> pod, shower, pod shower will be my next project after I create my bagel sandwich uh, site talking, reviewing bagel sandwiches. Like that's my other, my other life. Oh, that's your other project. Okay. <laughs> all right. Great. No, all thanks right. for letting me post all that stuff. I know that's, that was a, I felt like no I was problem. Oh there, yeah, but. and and if you are watching this um, a recording of this, then we'll have a PDF where you can uh, find all those links and some of the tips that Justin went through. So yeah, I'm gonna put together a PDF with kind of like the show notes, just like oh. all the hot topics. You should still everyone watch the replay if you joined in late or whatever, but. Um, I, I may have to touch base with you, make sure I have the URLs correct on some of those, like cool. the um, hot hot job or 
A hot job. Hot, hot, hot job. <laughs> hot shower. Hot job. Hot shower. Don't Google hot um, job. But we will. I will post um, the uh, anyone that is subscribed to our um, email alerts is going to get a copy of that. So if you don't already do that, if you don't receive um, our emails, go to thoughtseat.com/live. Um, I'll post I'll, it right I here as well. Okay. And, um, and you, I will email everybody that's on that list, a copy of the show notes, the PDF, all of that good stuff. So check that out and anything else. I don't think so. Thanks so much, Justin. All good. All right. Bye guys. Take it easy. You've just experienced the Thought Seat Podcast. Thanks for listening. For show notes in this week's free bonus, check out our website at www.thoughtseat.com. Join us to ask questions and catch our live weekly broadcast every Thursday at 2.30 p.m. Central Standard Time at thoughtseat.com slash live.